The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This is the Pick 6 Podcast. This is Super Wild Card Weekend Sunday Night Recap Edition. Part 2. Saturday Night Recap Edition is in the old feed. That's Will Brinson. That's John Breach. I'm Ryan Wilson. And remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on the YouTubes at NFL and CBS. And, of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a show. All right, boys. We're starting in Dallas. Ooh, boy. Who were at one time seven-point favorites during the week against the old Packers there. And all Green Bay did was set a playoff scoring record versus the Cowboys. And Jordan Love on Sunday looked a lot like C.J. Stroud looked on Saturday. Uh, and we'll get to the Cowboys at some point this uh, this evening. But first... Got to start with the winners, and that means Dallas looked lost against Green Bay's offense. And I'll start here, and this is something I tweeted out after the game. The Cowboys and defensive coordinator Dan Quinn had exactly zero answers when the Packers lined up with two tight ends, and that's something the Packers did a lot during the season. Second highest rate in the NFL to the tune of 37% of the time. Something they did at a 48% clip on Sunday. So with tight ends Luke Musgrave and Tyler Kraft, both rookies on the field, Jordan Love, a tidy 7 of 8. With two touchdowns, perfect passer rating, and he averaged 16.1 yards per, per, temp, per attempt. Excuse me. It gets even worse when Green Bay ran the ball with two tight ends, 95 yards, a touchdown, and they averaged 5.3 yards per carry. So much for Dan Quinn's defense. So, Brinson, the Packers have now won 10 of their last 11 games against the Cowboys. That said, how impressive was this victory against the Dallas team? that had won 16 straight at home and averaged more than 37 points per game at home this season. Okay. When did you get an Adderall prescription? Did it involve your true media prescription or subscription? And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and no, it was a blitzkrieg of stats. I love it. Wilson. I, I think the, the thing for this game is that like the, I have you ever seen anything? I've never seen anything like this in terms of what the Packers did offensively well okay for, first of all we were i the, the old narrative of first time playoff quarterbacks and rookie playoff quarterbacks out the window jordan love first ever perfect passer rating cj stroud yesterday not a perfect passer rating not a uh, perfect pass it was a perfect passer rating until they decided to try to go to the first down on his final throw of the game. It oh. fell incomplete and dropped his rating from 158.3 to 157.2. Uh, it cost him the perfection. They didn't have to throw the ball there. And that's mm. okay, but keep going. I just want to make sure. No, 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 good point. Good point. Um, the broadcast definitely said that. It was probably on Peacock. At, at any rate. Um, no, the point was that. Sean Clifford came in, and then they had to bring Jordan Love back in. That's Sean right. Clifford had that's stayed right. in the game. So when he left the game, he had a perfect pass. Exactly. Yes, that's, yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Because Aaron Jones came back in, too, because they were like, oh, God, are we going to lose this to the Cowboys? Um, there's a lot to unpack, but I think that it, 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 the week after Bill Belichick and the Patriots 
uh, disembark from each other, un- unencumbered from each other. It's insane to think that before Belichick, we, we all agree that Belichick, Tom Brady, and, and the Patriots are the greatest dynasty in the history of sports, right? Do we all agree with that? Definitely the history of the NFL, but probably sports. Okay, probably sports, but definitely, definitely the NFL. Before Belichick and Brady came together in New England, and after Belichick and Brady separated in New England, there's this buffer period on each side where the Packers have a franchise quarterback. They had Brett Favre before those guys showed up, and now they got Jordan Love after those guys left. The Packers are... This is the single greatest run of franchise quarterbacking in the history of professional football, and it's not remotely close. Jordan Love does stuff from arm slots, and the way he, like, Jordan Love is awesome. And maybe he's streaky, and maybe he won't end up being a Hall of Famer, but when he plays his best football, dude, you love Jordan Love. Yeah, but, I mean, why are we talking about Hall of Famer? Let's just talk about Favre, the Because Favre and Rodgers are Hall of Famers. I'm just saying, like, this guy is an incredible quarterback when he is playing at his highest level. Now, he's a problem when he's at his lowest level, but most quarterbacks are. I would just push back on that. He has not been at his lowest. The first half of the season, they started three and six. Um, and since then, they've been lights out. In fact, uh, he's had the fewest turnover-worthy plays he's since been week 13. I know. I'm just saying he, he, the streakiness hasn't really been there. That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, no, he had, he had that streak of like four or five weeks. He started out hot and got cold. But dude, Brian Gutekunst was asked, "Are you? Do you know if Jordan Love is your quarterback next year?" And he didn't have an answer. I think he has an answer. Well, now he does. Yeah, dude, Jordan Love is awesome. Well, a big part of the struggles early, even though the numbers, if you just look at them, didn't necessarily bear it out, was that they were so bad in the first half. They were struggling at the beginning of games, falling behind. And this is all during when they started two and five, three and six. So it, it, that was part of the trouble. But it's not just Jordan Love. You look at the past few weeks of Packers football. And who's been right there with them? Aaron Jones, every single time. He had such a monstrous game today. You look at what he did uh, in week 18 against the Bears, 111 yards. Uh, Week 17 against the Vikings in a huge, huge game, 120 yards. Uh, The week before that against the Panthers in a game that the Packers almost choked away, which this is almost making fun of the Cowboys, that the Carolina (laughs) Panthers put up 30 points on the Packers and almost beat them. but Aaron Jones put up 127 yards in that game. And, you know, we're looking at this stat right now on YouTube. Aaron Jones had three rushing touchdowns. That is tied for the most rushing touchdowns in a wild card game in NFL history. And so when your rushing attack is working like that, that makes things a lot easier for your quarterback. And Jordan Love was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you look at their first touchdown drive. They went out there. Matt LaFleur went full Zach Taylor. Not to bring the Bengals up, but his strategy, Zach <laughs> Zach Taylor's is always, we're going to take the ball first and put the other team on a teals because we want to go down and get the first points. Well, Matt LaFleur doesn't usually use that strategy, but he did in Dallas because he felt confident enough that his offense could go out. Uh, the vaunted Cowboys defense, guess what? We're going to drive straight down the field. We're going to score on them. And now all the pressure's on them because they're a seven-point favorite. They're playing at home. Mike McCarthy's job is on the line. Uh, and, and what did the, the Packers do? They drove straight down. Jordan Love went four for four for 42 yards in the opening drive. They scored a touchdown. Uh, and, and you look at all three of their offensive drives that ended in touchdowns in the first half. Jordan Love went 12 of 12 for 152 yards on those three TD drives. I mean, it was a clinic out there. LaFleur, I, I mean, he's also one of those coaches where it was, what, what was going to happen if Aaron Rodgers left? Is he actually a good coach? And I would say uh, that he has resoundingly made that answer yes i don't think there's any debate there was definitely debate when they were three and six in november but Rach, i do not think there's what do you more. think about this was aaron Rodgers restricting matt lafleur's ability to be the best matt lafleur matt lafleur could be i don't think that's Ooh. crazy i think that aaron Rodgers he kind of does his own thing and i mean look there was a power struggle that we knew about that Rodgers wants to call his own plays, that he wasn't happy with the plays that LaFleur was putting out. And Rodgers loves to run plays that break down and he'll go find his guy, go off script. That's part Stuff of what Aaron Rodgers does. The camera, who knows? And LaFleur's like, man, just run my offense, please. And Jordan Loves like, yes, sir, I'll do yeah. that and totally. we'll be awesome. So, yeah, I do think that there is definitely – 
uh, some truth to that. There's something really interesting about that too, though, Wilson. Wilson, we've talked about Jordan Love as a prospect coming into the NFL and then like how he, because at Utah State, he was like, you don't expect him to be the guy that runs the on, like to, like, to be, like, you don't expect him to run an offense like Kirk Cousins. He's, he's, he's too athletic for that. You know what I mean? Like he's, you expect him to go off script a little bit and he, he's really done, frankly, the exact same thing that Aaron Rodgers did when Aaron Rodgers started in green Bay being the athletic guy who can, is capable of going off script if he needs to, but perfectly capable of staying within the game when the offense is perfectly called. And dude, Matt LaFleur pulled Dan Quinn's pants down in this game early on. I mean, they were moving the ball so fast and conversely, somehow Joe Barry, a much maligned with this much maligned Packers defense. I mean, they flipped everything on its head. It felt like the Cowboys were, and we'll get to this later, but in this particular game, it felt like the Packers came in playing with house money, young, loose, confident, not worried about anything. And it felt on the other side of things that Mike McCarthy, was his, to be perfectly frank, his butt cheeks were really tight and he was petrified about losing at home against Green Bay in a, game, in a home playoff game as the number two seed he never expected to have happen. And somehow the, the, the Cowboys' were, offense was so tight. Jair Alexander, great job covering C.D. Lamb. I mean, just defensively and offensively, everything the Packers did had the Cowboys matched up from Jump Street. I, I mean, we'll talk about this in a second. I don't even know if Mike McCarthy had any, He didn't have anything to do with the way Dak played or the way CD and he and Dak were on the awful, same page. Really. I think Dan Quinn, sort of like we talked about with Jim Schwartz yesterday, is the guy in the crosshairs. In terms of Jordan Love, he is probably playing on time better than Aaron Rodgers did early in his career and maybe even later in his career because Aaron Rodgers, as Breach sort of noted, uh, was a freewheeling sort of gunslinger and he did it at a really high level. But Aaron, when you watch Jordan Love, and I actually went back and watched the, the Bears game uh, this weekend, the he throws on time so consistently. And a lot of credit, we talk about this all the time when we talk about these quarterbacks, you have to have a play caller who can dial up the plays and put these guys in position to succeed. And Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst probably don't get enough credit. They're playing with only first and second year wide receivers and tight ends. I talked about them playing with a, more two tight end sets than anyone else. And they win with that in both running and throwing the ball. Tyler Croft, who came in for Luke Musgrave when he was banged up uh, earlier in the season, is blocking his ass off, and they are doing so many things precisely. And when you see teams that lose, and the Dallas Cowboys are an example of this, that don't do things precisely, you get your asses handed to you. So, Breach, the Cowboys came into this game scoring more points in the first quarter than anyone on planet Earth. <laughs> they, got, they got a big old goose egg hung, hung on them. And um, one thing I want to mention, and then I want to get your thoughts uh, on this, uh, Brinson talked about Dan Quinn. Here's a little fun fact that um, Honest NFL tweeted about, and he talks a lot about just X's and O's, but this was a little behind the scenes thing that I didn't even hear to me. When LaFleur scored, uh, when um, Jordan Love threw that touchdown at the end of the game there to Romeo Dobbs when it was 24 points or whatever, right before Sean Clifford came in down at the inside the five yard line, it felt like maybe rub, rubbing it in, but you can sort of understand it because things were going back and forth at that point. So Honest NFL tweeted that uh, LaFleur was uh, holding a grudge against Dan Quinn because LaFleur was a quarterback's coach in Atlanta when Dan Quinn was the head coach. That is correct. And he ended up leaving because he didn't get the OC job. That job went to Steve Sarkeesian breach. He ended up going to L.A., being the OC for Sean McVay. Next year, the Titans OC, and, and here he finds himself in Green Bay. So there's perhaps a, a grudge match of sorts. And he was twisting the old knife into Dan Quinn's back. And Dan Quinn, just you like Jim Reve Ford, revenge had game? zero answers. Yeah, revenge, Brinson is, revenge is our revenge game, game I, correspondent. I missed that revenge game somehow. That's a deep cut. Brinson doesn't usually miss revenge games. I know. Brinson, that's you, a good one. You I, I forgot about that because... the Browns this past week to dive into, or, or the Matt Stafford revenge game to dive into this angle. That's, and the Mike McCarthy straight-up revenge game against the Packers. But, dude, Brees, you're right. I mean, Wilson, you're right. The, when... The Falcons, and we were all there in the press box together in Atlanta. You guys remember I saved the Super Bowl. Um, and, oh, no, excuse me, uh, Houston. I saved the Super Bowl in Atlanta. We're in Houston when Kyle Shanahan's Falcons coughed up the lead to the Patriots. Shanahan leaves and goes to 
San Francisco to take the head coaching job. And that's when LaFleur thought he's going to be promoted to be Dan Quinn's OC instead. No dice. Interesting angle, Wilson. I wish I, I'm actually, I'm kind of, I'm kind of like my brain's kind of broken realizing I didn't realize that revenge angle before the game. You're too busy dancing with your uh, blow up Matt Stafford doll to, to, to miss that one. Matt Stafford played fantastic in this game. Well, you know what, though? And head coaches, if you are in the NFL, you are a competitive person. And it would not surprise me at all if that was in the back of LaFleur's <laughs> mind. Like, I want to stick it to Dan Quinn. This is 100% uh, the, the back of his mind. Yes. And that's exactly what happened. And, and you know what? After we talked about the Browns game last night on Saturday night and kind of started talking about it and – why the Browns defense struggle on the road and they're all these little, we just kept poking little holes and why they were bad. And maybe we just kind of overlooked it. I actually felt very uncomfortable about the Cowboys game before it kicked off. Cause it did feel like uh, something like that could happen. I mean, my prediction was that this would be a shootout on our bowl prediction show. I thought the Packers would score in the thirties, but that the, the Cowboys would win. So I think the bigger surprise to me though, was that the Cowboys offense pulled a total no show. But uh, right. you know, I think that's exactly right. It's a at home. At home. Against Mike McCarthy's old team. Against with, with, with McCarthy calling the plays. With and we'll get to this. Yeah, with Mike McCarthy calling plays. And Mike look, Mike McCarthy. Hey, before is we been, talk about the uh, Cowboys, let, let's finish on this thought. Let's talk a little bit more about Jordan Love and, and how yeah, good, I agree with that. Yeah. How good can he be? Because he's special. We got caught up in the CJ Stroud uh stuff and rightfully so but it seems like in and Bruce Harry talked about this before the show and Brinson sort of alluded to it early on Jordan Love wasn't setting the world on fire and there were concerns can, about can him. I ask, He's can been I ask you a question out. Wilson yeah you as our draft our senior draft analyst you actually are the senior draft analyst at, at CBS Sports I'm proud of you what's your question you have the top pick in a draft don't don't worry about what team it is but you can have Justin Fields the number one pick of this draft class or Jordan Love. Who do you take? Why is Justin Fields in that conversation? I don't know. You're the Bears. You got Bears, Caleb Williams, or Jordan Love. Oh, I would even take it a step further. Let's go I was going to point out that like, let, or, or, Jared, or, Jared back, Goff, or Jared Let me Goff, go back to the want. 2020 draft class in which Jared, uh, Justin Fields was in. Tua, Justin Herbert, or, or Justin Fields? That's, that's, no, that's wrong. Class. Oh. But, you, you don't include Burrow, right? Just those three. Burrow's hurt, so we'll just leave him. We'll let him heal. Wait, wait, or Jordan Love, you mean? Oh, oh, oh Love, Love, Tua, Tua or, or Herbert? Justin Herbert. Mm. <laughs> yeah, see, that gets a little spicier. The point is that Justin, uh, Jordan Love is playing out of his mind. The Packers did the right thing. They traded up and got Jordan Love. It At the time, him. I said they did the right thing. I was all on board. I was a huge Jordan Love guy coming Were you really? out. Yeah, I didn't well, like. I mean, the rest I mean of I'm saying like, did do you? I mean, like, you should. Like reverse old takes expose that and well, it's I mean it's out there people want to see it I, I like I mean I have had some misses but I, I like Jordan Love I thought he was in a bad situation I talked to him at the combine or excuse me at the Senior Bowl right after that season and he admitted he's like I try to do too much and we see quarterbacks do that Brock Purdy tried to do too much at Iowa State this last year so yep. it happens but um again we live in a world where people don't like to be patient with the quarterbacks that was the right decision that they made and Matt Lafleur to Breach's point has been vindicated of well, sorts in a post Aaron Rodgers. Well, I was going to say too, though, like they trade up to get Jordan Love. If Jordan Love hadn't worked out and they cut him loose after this year, you could still argue it was the right decision because it made Aaron Rodgers win MVP twice. No one said a word about Trey Lance getting traded. I, all, all I'm saying is I agree with you completely. I think no, I'm, that, I'm, I'm giving you even a, a better example. Trey Lance was drafted third overall. No one cares that he got sent to the Cowboys. In fact, right. he, he was trending on Sunday because <laughs> Cowboys fans wanted to see him in the game. <laughs> um, I, I think if you are, would you rather be the Lions or the Packers in the NFC North moving forward? I mean, I know who Breach wants to be. He wants to be a doppelganger, but I love the Lions. No, no, I'm I mean, not, this is not a transition. I'm, I'm serious. Like, I think the both teams are loaded. I mean, I think the Packers offensive players are really, really good and really, really young. And they're really young for sure. So who'd you rather be? Uh, the Lions. I mean, no, not Dan after Campbell tonight. Guy. Just I mean, like for the next five years. I'm gonna roll with Dan Campbell and Chris Billman. Okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna leave hanging. <laughs> I do love me some uh, Jordan Love. I mean, I Jordan actually, loves Jordan Love's ceilings higher than Jared Goff's. Of course, absolutely. I don't I don't disagree with that. 
Uh, Breach, Lions or Packers next five years? Uh, probably the Packers, but I mean, it's close. And now you, you, we've been talking about how it was the Lions division and this was kind of their coronation by winning the division this year, but now it doesn't feel that way anymore. Now it, I don't feel like there's such a lock to win it next year or the yeah. year after that. Uh, and to the commenters, I'm not being held hostage. I'm going to start blinking. I was reading some stats <laughs> here. Uh, um, <laughs> All right, Breach, why don't you uh, turn the conversation to to Dak, someone who, for the first time in a long time, didn't throw a bunch of, thank you, Eric, didn't throw a, didn't lead the league in, inter in interceptions like he did a year ago, and he actually was in the MVP conversation, and he admitted that he sucked on Sunday night, which I don't think anyone is going to argue with. Well, I think a problem is, look, as someone who was forced to watch Andy Dalton for five <laughs> years in the playoffs, is that we've reached Andy Dalton territory where if you're a Cowboys fan, you do not trust Dak Prescott in the playoffs. He is two and five in his career. That is the worst playoff record in NFL history by anyone who has at least five starts. Um, what about Andy? Andy's only got three starts. Oh, he's, got started the other starts. Two. he's got four starts. Oh, okay. uh, AJ McCarron AJ, started. Oh, against AJ Steelers. Okay. Sorry. Come on, Wilson. You know that. My bad. Um, so, and that's where you are if you're a Cowboys fan. And this was kind of that. This is the one you had to win. You can't go out and lose this uh, when you're a seven point favorite. When you have the highest scoring offense in football, you have all your weapons out there. If maybe CeeDee Lamb was injured or if Brandon Cooks didn't play, if you had some built in excuse that you could use, then great. But they didn't. They were fully healthy and they could not do anything in this game. I mean, we're looking at a first half where they had four possessions in the entire half. It are five, but their first four went punt, interception, punt, pick six. That's game. <laughs> and that's on Dak Prescott. That is all on Dak Prescott. 100%. A little bit on CD Lamb because for whatever reason, they were not on the same page. A little bit, you know, give the Packers defense some credit, but I do think it was more of Dak melting down in the spotlight. He said after the game, like you guys just said, that he should be as much on the hot seat as Mike McCarthy, and that's it. Breach bot 3000 is out of business. I need a new team. Yeah. So that it was just ugly. It, it, at the end of the first half, there was no way the, the Cowboys were coming back. It was just, I could have taken a nap in the second half. You guys could have taken a nap. It was over. Yep. It, it was, it, it was wild to see. Like they were out of the game immediately. And it was game planning because like Jair, that pick by Jair Alexander was outstanding. And they put him on CD Lamb and basically said, let's shut him down. Jake Ferguson had a huge day, three touchdowns. But I don't know. It was it was uh the Jair pick was a um bad decision by it was an uh, an yeah. inaccurate throw by Dak. The the other the next pick six that Breach just mentioned was uh they were in a double slants and he threw the ball to CD Lamb, which wasn't necessarily a bad read except for the fact that uh, Kirby Joseph, whoever was standing there, threw it right to him and hit him in the face. He didn't see him there. That's that's something that you don't want DTR or Aiden O'Connell to do. And he, I mean, that's that's like a day one mini camp mistake. And then after that, it's a wrap. I mean, it, it, Dak plays with confidence. I think he led the the team in rushing, and that sort of skewed the rushing stats. But they shut down their ability to have any sort of balance. It certainly helps when you're up twenty seven to nothing. Um, at one point, we saw Jerry in the first half turn around looking looking to fire somebody. I don't know if he accomplished I mean, Dak that. threw 60 passes. Well, yeah, they were down. <laughs> they were down I all mean, day. 60 is all. Like, you're getting your ass kicked. Can I um, – do you think that there's any chance the – this is a weird galaxy brain take, but that the Cowboys were um, victims of, their, of the Eagles' failure? In other words – if the Cowboys had been the five seed and were going on the road to play Tampa Bay, they're worse on the road. They're good at home. No, I know that, but I'm saying because they're so good at home, because the Cowboys, because the Eagles completely pooped their pants and gave the Cowboys the division, and because the the, the Cowboys was like, "Like right, your seven point favorites at home," like it was like Mike McCarthy was like it was almost like he was doing a really good job coaching the team, and then the Eagles melted down. The Cowboys stole the division, and all of a sudden it became. Well, Mike has to win this game, or else he, or else he's getting fired. And if you if you heard Jason Garrett in the pregame for Lions Rams, that man is the most milk toast human being on the planet. 
and he basically inferred that Mike McCarthy is fired. And he's someone who's been fired unexpectedly or sort of unexpectedly in a post Jerry, like, like if somebody's going to know what, if somebody knows what it's like for to be fired by Jerry Jones, it's Jason Garrett. And he seemed to imply that Mike McCarthy is. What do you think of that conspiracy theory breach about the uh, Eagles? I think if you would have sat down Mike McCarthy a week ago and said, do you want the five seed and go on the road and play the Buccaneers? Or do you want to play the Packers at home who just got shredded by Nick Mullins two times in three weeks? I think he's picking the Packers defense and saying, I think we can put up 500 yards and 45 points against them. And I would prefer to play uh, Jordan Love, who's in a first career playoff start because historically, before this weekend, when CJ Stroud and Jordan Love both went off, quarterbacks in their first career playoff starts generally play pretty badly. So I, I, I think he actually would have picked the Packers. You know, what else embarrassing, embarrassing. Seven seeds, zero and six coming into this game. Zero and yeah. six, eighteen and zero at home for the Cowboys. Eight and zero this year. Should Mike McCarthy? What's going to happen to Mike McCarthy, Wilson? Before we do that, I'm going to read you some quick stats. Don't take a break, and Brinson will tell us Mike McCarthy's future. Can you imagine Brinson being in control of your future, Breach? No. Uh, the Cowboys have now failed to reach a conference night. championship game in 13 straight playoff appearances. They've lost eight times in the first game of the postseason, going back to 1996. And they are now 5-13 and 13 in the postseason since 1996. And that is the um, Jerry, I mean the Jimmy Johnson line. They were 31-18 and 18 prior to that. So just something to to think about if you are a Cowboys, long-suffering Cowboys fan. But and they've the- now made the playoffs, what, 13 times without making it to the conference title game, which is the longest streak in NFL history. Wah, wah. All Ever right. since Jerry made a deal with his higher power. After the break, Brinson will tell you Breach, if the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys will be Deion Sanders, the new offensive coordinator will be Michael Irvin. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. If I told you, Wilson, that this was the most painful podcast of your 35 years podcasting with me, would that be enough for you to fire me? I don't. Here's the thing, though. That's like Jones said that about this loss. But let me let me put it in context. That's like Breach going on an all-time Breachian bender. And Breach in this role is Dan Quinn, which means he would have to be elevated. You can't promote Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn actively acted like he wanted to get the big man fired. I'm just saying if Jerry Jones comes out and says after the play, after this loss, this humiliating 48 to 32, which wasn't even that close loss to the Packers. Let me, let me read us a little something for you. Go ahead. So this is from after the week 18 game. And Jerry was asked after the, the commanders win, would McCarthy be back for a fifth season? We'll see how each game goes in the playoffs. And then he had to scramble to qualify. He said, uh, <laughs> in my Brinson voice doing Jerry, I was a little surprised. I don't know how it could be any clearer. Coach McCarthy is under contract for next year. So that's not an issue. Secondly, I could not be more pleased with what he's done and how he's coached. So, proceed. Jerry called it the most painful, quote, the most painful, end quote, playoff loss in his entire time owning the Cowboys. Do you think that's true, Breach? I would imagine he's had more painful losses. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, I mean, we can 
No, I believe he said it. I don't know yeah. if that's the most painful loss. <laughs> right. It's, it's the most recent. The last three I mean, years. I, I can name other Packers losses that are more painful. Is he kidding? <laughs> 34 to 31 when Aaron Rodgers drove him down in like 60 seconds. That had to be more painful. <laughs> that's true. Here's, here's the issue for Mike McCarthy. There's several. One. His last three losses. And Des Bryant catch game was against the Cowboys and Packers. That's another. That's Way two Packers painful. games that are higher on the on the painful scale. Calling BS on name, you, Jerry. I can name Seahawks games that are worse than this Packers game. But the last three losses in the playoffs for Mike McCarthy. And whether we whether we all try to be reasonable and say we should judge a coach not by their you know one game small sample playoff stuff, but that's the reality of the NFL. There's the Dax slide, refs screw up, Mike McCarthy, Mike with crazy hands, excuses, thinking it's the Niners. The following year when he had Zeke snap the ball to Dak, Zeke gets obliterated. And then this year where this team that is the number two seed in the NFC and fully capable of winning the Super Bowl gets obliterated by Jordan Love and a bunch of guys that Jerry Jones literally, in terms of like, Aaron, Aaron Jones is a Jordan Love. Jordan Love, he knows. Aaron Jones, a, a Cowboys killer. His, his uh, splits for his career, his Cowboys are a joke. But Romeo Dobbs, Jerry Jones doesn't know half the guys in the Packers depth chart at wide receiver and tight end. All right. So, so the let's last the, three playoff the What's What's going on with Mike McCarthy? Is he going to keep his job? Yeah, he, no, he's fired as hell, dude. All right, on a scale, uh, well, give us some odds. I, I would be, I would be, give us some Brinson nods. I would say that Mike McCarthy fired is minus two fifty, and Mike McCarthy keeping his job is three to one. That's where I'm at on this one. I think it's obvious. Breach. If this were last off season, I think he would have a chance. But with all the coaching talent out there, whether it's Belichick, whether it's Mike Vrabel, uh, Jim Mike Harbaugh. Tomlin. Mike, I mean, you just have these big names out there, and Jerry Jones loves a splashy hire. And look, you think Bill Belichick's team would fall behind 48 to 16 in a playoff game and sleepwalk through an entire first half of play? You can't, you they can overlook a team. A season. There's trap games in the regular season where you overlook a team. I get that. It's 18, 17 games, it's tedious. That can't happen in the playoffs. You cannot have a trap game in the playoffs. It's survive and adventure out if you lose. He's done. I I, I cannot he, see him surviving. Jerry Jones literally hired Belichick's mentor, Parcell, Bill Parcells, at the exact same point, really, of his career as Belichick's at. Out with the let difference me ask, being let me ask that, you this. Yeah, the man averaged over thirty-seven points a game at home. I'm not saying he should be fired. I'm saying he will be fired. There's a big difference. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm I'm sort of indifferent, and I I was I'm probably higher. Jerry should be fired. Wade Phillips for Chad Gailey, but he I'm did. higher on McCarthy now than I was a year ago, and I think he actually exceeded my expectations once they got rid of Kellen Moore. Um, so I give him credit for that. But every playoff loss is more demoralizing than the one that preceded it. Feels. I think I, I I'll go counter. To my what I, my argument before, but I think that Dan Quinn's probably out there interviewing, you know, having to say Dan Quinn's spending a lot of his mental time thinking about the Seahawks, and maybe that caused the defense not to be as good. That, don't make excuses for Dan Quinn. That's that that defense got their asses kicked. They got their asses kicked. That's all I'm saying. He's like Mike McCarthy's no Dak, Dan Quinn Dak, knew that how the how the Packers did, all I'm saying Packers is Packers didn't do anything unusual. They had no answers. Mike McCarthy didn't go out there and like poop his pants. Dak was terrible and Dan Quinn was terrible. Yeah, let me let me ask you that, Breach. If Matt LaFleur is calling place for Dak Prescott, Matt LaFleur's getting fired too, it feels like. Matt LaFleur, if he calls plays like wait, what? If he were if he were calling plays <laughs> Sunday night in that game instead of Mike McCarthy, there was nothing he could do because Dak was that bad. That's my point. I mean, I I mean, there was a situation where you're down 14 nothing, you're at the Packers 42 yard line, and you punt. I, I mean, that's, that's those crazy. are the things that Dak, we're Dak talking did, about. Dude, Dak made some bad throws. He missed Jalen Tolbert wide open on what would have been an easy touchdown on the left side. Uh, late. I mean, th there's a bunch of th like Dak played terrible. Dan Quinn wouldn't. I mean, excuse me, uh, Mike McCarthy wasn't like great, but this was like what. How do you know? I mean, Dak I mean uh, played... all I'm saying is that this this game is going to be an indictment of Mike McCarthy. Is what that, I am that saying. That's well my maybe. take. 
Yeah, no, I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I don't. I think it's unfair to heap blame on Mike McCarthy. I'm not a Mike McCarthy stan, as the kids say, but it's just. I mean, the no, I was saying, I was saying he didn't do anything exceptionally dumb or bad. That was obvious to us. He on coached first better watch. in this game than he did in the Lions game that they should have lost. Yeah, but but the, but that's my point. Is the reality is he is going to take the blame for this, and as Breach pointed out, in an offseason with Harbaugh and Belichick out there, like if Bel if, if Belichick can make it known to Jerry Jones in fifteen seconds if he hasn't already, which he would have already done, that he is interested. If Jerry Jones wants to make a change as in Jerry Jones is fully aware right now. And before he spoke to the media tonight, that if Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones reads pro football talk and Mike Florio has been hammering his keyboard talking about how Mike McCarthy, if he lost the Packers at home, which we didn't think would happen, might be a candidate to be replaced by Bill Belichick. So if those all those parties want that to happen, it's not that far-fetched for it to happen. And Mike McCarthy pooped the bed against the, the Packers at home. And now it's if this is a prime Jerry Jones firing spot. Breach, if you are drinking every time Brinson says pooped something, you uh -huh. are wasted right now. And I am sorry. I, I should have brought my shot glass. Uh, I he will just say real quick. Pants. I will say this real quick when it comes to because it look Greg Olson was saying this on the telecast that you can't fire Mike McCarthy he's done, who are you going to replace him with he's done so well he's he's got the most wins over the past three seasons uh without getting to a conference title game which is negative but you can't take those regular season wins away and how are you going to prove I think at the end of the day for Jerry Jones who is 81 years old it comes down to this who gives me the best shot of winning a Super Bowl next year I don't care about my regular season wins as long as they get me to the playoffs. And once I'm in the playoffs, who gives me a better shot? The guy who is one and three. What is he? What's yeah, he's one and three since he saw took McCarthy's one and three with the Cowboys in the playoffs. Or do I want the guy who goes to the Super Bowl almost every year? And somebody did mention that yes, the Bills blew out the Patriots the last time Belichick was in the playoffs, but the Bills were a big favorite in that game. Nobody expected the Patriots to win. This is not the same thing where the Cowboys were a huge favorite. This was a meltdown. This was a failure on every level for Dallas. I'll just say this one last time, and then you guys can tell me who you think is the best. Number one, you only get one answer. Uh -oh. And this Again, I'm just quoting Jerry Jones last week. Coach McCarthy is under contract for next year. That's not an issue. I couldn't be more pleased with what he's done and how he's coached. So he'll be asked about those comments, and, and you know you can say the blowout changes mind. I get that. All right, Breach, who is the one and only coach to save Mike McCarthy from himself? Who would I take? Yeah. I think it would be Belichick. I think yeah. you, you're, look, you're staring out your window. Jones is going to want to win the Super Bowl next year. To a Very small window. You're looking at one to three years. It needs to be right now. And I think if you're in the win-now mentality, you're probably going with Belichick. If... You can bet Bill Belichick to be the next Cowboys coach. Go bet it. Okay. Brinson here. Two Belichick. Who do you think, Wilson? You don't you clearly. Yeah, who you do you think is the next Belichick. Cowboys coach? You think it's McCarthy stays, doesn't he? Oh my god. Stan? I think McCarthy stays. <laughs> How did you morph into a McCarthy stan? I'm you know what? You should probably take our Jones has never lied to me. Is now Wilson bot three thousand. Jones has never lied to me, Breach. Welcome to the club, Wilson. Big Mac bot three thousand. I think Mike Vray will be a much better coach than Bill Belichick there, but um you That'd should, my, you should take the second break now and just I'll vote Vrabel. roll on. And, and Belichick will bring McDaniels with him. There'll be uh, two peas in a pod. Boom. Yes. Josh McDaniels. All right. Before we take a break, though, bad head coach. I want to get I'll start with Breach here. So uh, Brinson can collect his thoughts about his his uh, favorite. Let's take a break. And let's let me and cry. And we'll talk about no, Lions. Or we got, I'm going to I'm going to get Breach's thoughts and then we'll take a okay. break because Breach is uh, I'll just say he's a little less loquacious than some other people in this podcast. So he won't. take. Whoa. All right, Breach. Jared Goff. You think I won't talk after Breach is done? <laughs> Did Jared Goff quiet the doubters, Breach? Because uh, producer Harry was taking some shots at game manager Jared Goff uh, early in the fourth quarter when the wheels were a little shaky on the old Lions bus. Great drive, uh, the penultimate drive that set them that got them. Actually, the last drive when they, they were able to convert, he made that big throw to Amon Ross St. Brown, calmed down, and Chris Collins were talked throughout the telecast about how 
Jared Goff was down in the dumps when he got sent from L.A. to Detroit. Understandable. But Dan Campbell and uh, had his back and sort of got him back on track. How impressed were you with Jared Goff's performance? I will say this, that he, he started off high and he would have lost the entire crowd. He would have been kicked out of the city if Detroit had lost this game because you look at what happened after the Rams cut the lead to 24-20. to 20, The Lions got the ball. They punted. Uh, then the Rams go down, get a field goal. Now it's 24-23. The Lions get the ball. They punt again. And so everybody's just thinking, oh, my God, can Jared, Jared Goff just do something, please? And then even when you get to the end there and they decide to – and Jared Goff throws the first down and second and nine, that was it. That was the throw that sealed. Now he is a hero. Now he is a savior. If you win your city's first playoff game in 32 years, there's only going to be – uh, positive memories associated with you for the rest of time. If Jared Goff does not play another season in Detroit, he'll be remembered as a hero. Brinson, do you want to bounce back, uh, Brinson? I thought we were taking a break after a brief oh, I thought you said you were going to weigh in. No, I was kidding. All right, so uh, we'll take a break, and when we come back, before we talk about Matthew Stafford, uh, we'll turn the conversation to the Rams and talk about – we'll talk about the Lions, actually, after the break, and then we'll get to the – the misuse of timeouts by Sean McVay before we talk about Matthew Stafford's great performance. We'll talk about all that right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So, Brenton, uh, at the half. Can, can I address something before, beforehand? I love yeah. this Lions team. Like okay. This is a, a real Sophie's choice for me. Obviously, Matthew Stafford's my guy, but this, I hope the Lions win the Super Bowl. Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, who... Admittedly, Wilson, you were early on, but you were right. He is fantastic. Jameer Gibbs, incredible. Amron St. Brown. Sam Laporta has no business being out there, and he's just grinding it out there because Campbell's his coach. Ali McNeil, my guy on defense, I love this Lions team. It's it The Stafford-Lions matchup was something I really wanted to see. Um, I thought Stafford played incredible, and... Golf was just as good, and this came down to, as I said on HQ multiple times with you, Wilson, on Saturday, what or maybe in the pregame when we were doing the, the pick show, who would be more aggressive coaching, and that might flip the game. And I think that is what flipped this game. I thought Stafford Stafford hit his hand on uh, McNeil Aleem's hel helmet, and that cut it open. He didn't care. He played through it. Golf, golf went 22 of 27. For 277 yards and a touchdown, no picks. He was tremendous. This game clearly meant a ton to him. The GM, the head coach of the Rams, they dumped him for Stafford and won a title and shipped him to Detroit where Stafford couldn't win, and he's here with a winner going to the divisional round. Stafford, I mean, this, this mattered to him. Stafford taking his place, it mattered to him, and he played like it did. He, he won this game for them. Golf is awesome. I think the difference in this game, a 24-23 fantastic NFC wildcard matchup was coaching. Sean McVay was scared, and Dan Campbell wasn't. Sean McVay is a much better offensive mind than Dan Campbell is. But Dan Campbell is a balls-to-the-wall players coach of all-time players coach who has taken this Detroit Lions team that was complete crap for forever, despite good job by Jim Schwartz and, and Matthew Stafford, and turned them into like the new 
I don't know, the new favorites in the NFC North for years to come. All right, Breach, tell me what you think about this. 14 to 10, early in the second quarter, and to piggyback off what Brentson's talking about in terms of what Dan Campbell's done all year in terms of being aggressive. Third and three from the plus four-yard line. They get to the two. John Skipper comes in, or Dan Skipper. He is eligible as a fat guy, and they go for it on fourth and one from the two-yard line, and Goff throws to Laporta. And not only, here's the other thing that I, I meant to mention with the previous game we talked about. We sort of talked about Matt LaFleur doing a great job. Um, and then yesterday we talked about Bobby Slowick doing a great job scheming them open. Ben Johnson, great job. Uh, Michael uh, Hoyt was in coverage on Sam Laporta. Michael Hoyt is an edge rusher who looks like he probably works at a bowling alley part-time. Fantastic season, but he does drop into coverage a lot for a big guy. He was in coverage on the TD pass to Jared, to Sam Laporta on fourth down. That makes it 21-10. to 10. How was so, that midfield that mid that midfield fade call to Amon St. Brown? It was like on the third third and short where they it was like they ran like a goal line fade at midfield. Incredible right. design. So that touchdown breach made it three touchdowns on the first three drives, and that I made a note there because this is what it reminded me of. Because I told you guys this when we were debating why in God's name would you go for two from the seven-yard line in that Cowboys game. And I said, I don't think that game matters. I think Dan Campbell is sending a message to his team that we're going to roll with by being aggressive. And that's sort of what I got from that. What did you think of that play? Uh, I didn't think that was necessarily what I took from it. I think that Dan Campbell watched his defense get absolutely gashed up on the Rams' first two possessions with Stafford going up and down the field, I think their first drive, which ended in a field goal, went for 69 yards. Then they had the touchdown drive for 72 yards where Nakua got the 50-yard touchdown. So when you see your defense has no hope of stopping the Rams' offense to that point, you're thinking, wow, we probably need to put up as many points as possible, and that means going for it on fourth and one from the Rams too. I mean, that's obviously Campbell's he's aggressive. That's his nature. We've seen it all year. So there was never, I mean, I thought he was going for this the whole time and I, I, I thought it was the right decision and he made it pay off. And the fact that Laporta who was carted off the freaking field last week, seven days later is play. He couldn't even walk off a football field in week 18. And he not only did he play, but he catches the touchdown pass. That was insane. So yeah, I mean, I thought he made the right decision, but you know, and we'll talk about, the McVay versus Campbell and, and I guess the coaching difference, but I didn't really think because the difference in the game was the red zone. The Lions got in the yeah. red zone three times. They scored three touchdowns. The Rams got in the red zone three times. They scored zero touchdowns. They settled for three field goals, but looking at those field goals, I only think there was one instance where Campbell might have gone for it. I think he also kicks the field goals on two of the three situations, which were fourth and eights. Uh, but the other one where I just wasn't sure. Are you saying if you flip McVeigh and Campbell? Yes. Yeah, that's good. That's fair. That's fair. So I thought there was only one instance where Campbell would have gone for it. So I don't think that McVeigh on those, you know, forget the play calls that got us to that situation. I'm just talking about that actual play. I, you know, I didn't think that McVeigh played the final, it. The final punt, though. Uh, are we get, Are we already there? Should we talk about it? Here, let's hold will, on. Let's, let's well, back up. Let's start well, here. Well, real quick. I mean. The Rams average seven. Well, let's start with the timeouts, seven. and we'll get to that. Not, let's, let's start with the timeouts. So, okay. Sean McVay called his first timeout uh, of the second half with thirteen thirty to go in the third quarter. Not good. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Not, that's which, not by good. the way, if you ever have the prop of which team's going to call a timeout first, always, <laughs> always bet the Rams. It hits every time. I'm not even kidding. You're not even kidding. The second timeout they called, literally 15 game minutes later, 13.47 to go in the fourth quarter. So they have one left. So they already have their back against the wall. So one timeout, and go ahead, Brinson, with that last punt. Well, I mean, the timeout thing, oh my God, the timeout thing drives me nuts because you, it's hard to explain. Like you have Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. How is this an issue where you need to use the timeouts? At the same time, like you trust McVay to make sure you get the right play in. So if you do use the timeouts, it's one thing. But you get there and you're down one point, right? Yep. And you decide on the 44. So we're looking at a 61 yard field goal. Third and four, third and third and 14 on the 44. They let Stafford throw it, and then they punt. And I think at that point, given he got Aaron Donald, and that's great, 
and Raheem Morris has been awesome. But man, the Lions are so aggressive. And they I'll say this though, sorry to interrupt you, but that play was because Aiden Hutchinson got held. Another sort of bowl move by Dan Campbell, not to let it be fourth and six, make it be third he, down. Yeah, and Dan Campbell took the penalty. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So that's I, why they moved back. You're right, because I think actually, oh, so in, in the moment I was thinking about this. I think if if he says if he declines a penalty, Sean McVay's not going for it. He's kicking. No, he's kicking it. That's right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 they're probably making the field goal from there. Breach is he, is Mahar is Mar making that? Maher's making a fifty-one yard field goal. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I mean, but Sean McVay's definitely Sean McVay's definitely kicking it fourth and four, right? Yes, that I agree. Yeah. Yeah, for, probably. For 51. Yeah. McVay loves to kick, especially down one. He went for it on fourth down earlier, fourth and six. Fourth and five. I was surprised but, he went for that. But I thought, to your point, Wilson, I, I'm glad you interrupted me because I think that this coaching psychological stuff here was huge. The penalty's called. It can either be fourth and four, 51 yard field goal for the Rams who are down one. And Dan Campbell can say, all right, I know Sean McVay's going to kick. And I. I can let him kick and go up two points, maybe, or I get the ball back and it's over, or I can pull him back there. He's probably not going to, like, McVeigh should have played like a draw to go for it on fourth down or to kick after that. And instead he played to get it or punt. You know what I mean? Like McVeigh is so notoriously conservative that Campbell knew he would pull him back. He either try to get the first down or he'd punt and let his defense play ball. And I think Campbell won the psychology there in terms of coaching. And one other thing, because it was such a crazy situation that they were there because you only have one timeout left. So the situation is it is fourth and 14. You were at the Lions 44 yard line. You can go for it. You can punt. You can try the field goal. And granted, Brett Maher has not been the greatest kicker. I mean, the Rams freaking cut the guy earlier this season before bringing him back. His percentage during the regular season with LA in 2023 was 74%. So not entirely accurate. Remember, We all remember his playoff meltdown with the Cowboys, uh, but that was mostly extra points that he struggled with. But Here's the one thing with Brett Maher. He is literally the best kicker in NFL history when it comes to kicking field goals from 60 yards or longer. He has made four of them. Nobody else in NFL history has made four. Not Justin Tucker, not Sebastian Janikowski. And not only has he made four of them, but he's four for four. He's never missed. So the he's the only kicker with multiple field goal attempts from 60 yards or more who has made 100% of his kicks. And so... If I know my kicker can hit that, if he if I saw him do it at least once in warmups, I am sending him out there because I only have one timeout left. And you know, if he misses that, if they get a first down, the game's over anyway. So if you punt and they get a first down, the game's over. If you miss the field goal and they get a first down, the, it doesn't matter where on the field it is. It's not like the Lions are going to drive down and go get a touchdown because you missed this field goal. It doesn't matter that they're closer to the end zone because one first down, two first downs, that's going to end the game. So I probably would have tried the field goal. That's that's my field goal rant. No, I mean, I just, I think that Sean McVay is notorious for playing scared. Is not going to be aggressive late late in games, and I, I think I, look, not I, I think this came down to who was it came down to who was more aggressive in coaching. Dan Campbell was Sean McVay wasn't. Stafford played awesome. The Rams skill guys played awesome. The Lions' defense was okay at times. The Rams' defense was okay at times. Rams' defense was great in the second half. Lions' defense made some stops. First half was a shootout. It came down to who wanted to be more aggressive, and Dan Campbell was. I, I just don't think that it's fair to say that Campbell was way more aggressive than McVay. They both went for it on fourth down once. They both got it. And again, if we flip the situation, I didn't see a ton of places where Campbell would have done something differently than what McVay did. I think McVay made one questionable decision. It's, right, the, fourth, no. it's the fourth and 14, but what, what do you think Dan Campbell does there? Do you think he well, goes for it on fourth and 14? Do you think he tries the field goal? Do you think he punts so it? I'll You're tell you, no, I'll tell you exactly what he does. So, because I was looking this up, and to, it sort of supports, yeah. supports your point. And by the way, if Dan Campbell hadn't gotten the the decision to, to throw it with Jared Goff to Sam LaPorte, if that falls incomplete, people are whinging about that because you only had one yard to go. But... uh 
early in the That's third quarter, point. they have fourth and 16, the Lions do, from their 35 or from the, the Rams 35, which is a similar situation to what would have happened had Dan Campbell declined the penalty when the Rams were there later in the game. And they send out Michael Badgley to try a 54 yarder, and he absolutely smokes it. He had only, who, by the way, had a 43% career percentage exactly. from beyond 50. So it was not no. a sure thing at all. So he, Dan Campbell, Dan Campbell took some gambles and they paid off in those instances. And I think to Brent's point, it may be if you were moving back to, to fourth and 14, you, you run two plays to try to get that yardage, not uh, all, all for nothing. Run, run a draw to run a draw to Ronnie Rivers or whoever and like get it. But now, look, to, just to give Breach credit here, I think that, like, to me, this game was two teams that played awesome and it came down to a couple of decisions. It's the opposite of the first game. Right where the Packers, the Packers like deep pants the Cowboys, and it was an embarrassment. This was just a really—it's a one-point game in a crazy NFC matchup between Stafford and Golf, two guys who were traded for each other. It's everything you could have asked for. Somehow it didn't go over, even though it was a shootout in the first half. And like I, I, I will put blame on McVay for the late game aggressiveness, but I agree with you that that ultimately this was just a really good playoff game. That's all it was. It's like, like I'm not going to take away, wow, Sean McVay can't be a great coach in the NFL or, oh, Dan Campbell is the future of coaching in the NFL. It, to me, it's just, this is a great wildcard weekend matchup. And it was, it, it, look, the, the, the Rams 7.7 yards per play to 6.1 for, for the Lions. 425 yards for to 334 to Breach's point. They executed in the red zone better than the Rams did. It was just a good game. That's all I like. I, I don't know. What we, de we desperately needed after Super Wild Card weekend. Yeah, it was Which, kind of a bummer, wasn't it? You know what? Even though there was a bunch of blowouts, I, I thought it was entertaining enough because yeah. the Texans it was a surprising yeah, blowout. And then you get the fourth coldest game in NFL history. It was just. It's yeah. fun to watch, and that when when helmets are shattering on the field, that's fun. And by the way, and, and Pete Peacock jokes and Jason Garrett jokes on on Twitter. The number of young players that are balling out. You talked about C.J. Stroud, Puka Nakua went for one eighty one, Romeo Dobbs went for one fifty one. So we have these young guys absolutely balling. Uh, there's Puka there, great job, producer Harry surpassed D.K. Metcalf for most receiving yards in a playoff game by a rookie, Jerry Macklin on the list, and of course Keith Jackson out of Oklahoma. Jerry Macklin most number of receiving yards by any. Rookie receiver under Andy Reid in NFL history. Josh Reynolds with 75 yards in the first quarter. Revenge game. Revenge in a revenge game. game. That yeah, was absolutely. Revenge game. I, I will say that, I mean, curmudgeon style, but I think three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, better than 2-2-2. Two, two, two. Uh, I like the 2-2. Two, two, two. I don't love the 2-2-2, two, 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 but I like it better for planning purposes in terms of what we have to do at 1130 at night, but I, I take your point. It's a lot easier than 16 and zero. <laughs> like yeah, Sundays. Um, all right. Anything else? Uh, Brinson, do you want to give a, a heartfelt love letter to Matthew Stafford? <laughs> Producer Harry is on fire right now. Well, my Brinson VP is, of course, Matthew Stafford. Can I do that? No, I can't. Right? Yeah, why not? It's yours. Yeah. You can do it with what you wish. Look at this guy. First loss in the playoffs with the Rams came to the Lions with whom he never won a playoff game. He played awesome. He busted his hand open against the, against Lee McNeil's helmet. And I think that even actually, you know what? I want to do dual MVPs, golf and Stafford. You can't go no, dual MVP. Yeah, sure. I can't look. Jesus. <laughs> I did, this is game, trophy. Look, the okay. game was really entertaining this both guys but i think like both guys how often do you see uh, you've never seen there's never been a playoff game in nfl history when two guys who were traded for each other played against each other in the game in the postseason i think he's neat harry's and on a heater Paul, baby i know harry's <laughs> harry harry's in his field great graphic that's going to give wrong. that Valentine. I'm going to print that out, and that's going to be the Valentine. I'm going to say that the HR is going to give out to everyone. Harry took time out to make a graphic Harry's making crushing. fun of me for Matthew Stafford. Um, look, Harry doesn't have a real quarterback under center. Just stay, stay on topic. Leave Harry alone. Please and continue. And so, 
look, Stafford and Goff go head to head. This game is built up as the ultimate double revenge game. It's never been, it's never happened before in playoff history for two guys who were traded for each other go head to head. And they both played awesome. Like they like golf is 22 of 27 for 277 and a touchdown and led all the drives. Like even if the like Gibbs, I think had a rushing touchdown, Montgomery had a rushing touchdown. Those were all golf led drives. He and Dan Campbell closed that game out that he, he deserves every bit of praise he gets, but so does Matthew Stafford, 25, 36, 367, two touchdowns, no interceptions while playing with a completely busted hand that was bleeding all over the place and swollen and not like a decent running game, but not great thrown to a rookie receiver and Cooper cup who was smothered the entire time. They were both awesome. Shout out to those two quarterbacks. My duel MVPs. All right, Breach, see if you can top that one. Uh, my MVP better be for the Packers Cowboys game. <laughs> not yeah, well from enough. the Packers Cowboys game, Brinson. I have dual MVPs. Oh, it is Jared say? Goff and Matthew Staff. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> my MVP is one Daniel Allen Campbell. It is the head coach of the Detroit Lions. We all had so much fun joking about him biting kneecaps off back when he got hired in 2021. He has absolutely turned this franchise around. And to see him lead this team to not only a division title, but their first playoff win in 32 years. I can tell you that I don't get emotionally attached in the week-to-week stuff really with the Bengals side of stuff anymore, but when they beat the Raiders for their first playoff win in 30 years, two years ago, I cheered up. I mean, it was so emotional to see that happen. And so I know exactly how Lions fans feel. I know that the three decade wait, you get to a point where you don't ever think it's going to happen. They had never hosted a playoff game at Ford field, which opened in 2002. They had never won in the wild card round. And it always seems like the NFL gods are conspiring against them. All the games they lost on bad calls. Uh, we all remember that the, the Cowboys playoff game from a few years ago that, where they picked up an interference flag. And there's just all these things where it feels like the Lions were just meant to lose. I mean, we saw the, the, the questionable call in the game tonight against the Rams with the offsides right before the halftime. And they say, no, it was on the Lions. It should have been on the Rams. And so... Just wild that Dan Campbell was able to do all this in two years and for this team to get that win. I think this was the monkey they needed to get off their back. And we were talking about comparing the Texans to the Bengals. I think the Lions are the 2021 Bengals where now that that's out of the way and now that you got the mental barrier of, okay, we can win a playoff game. Now it's off. The governor's off and you can speed your way to the Super Bowl. I like it. All right. I'm going to go a little bit off off script here. And we've talked about it. (laughs) <laughs> Bill Belichick is the real winner. Mike McCarthy is the real winner because now he can go on vacation if he wants to. Um, I'm going to go. I mean, the Packers, Jordan Love and, and Matt LaFleur are the obvious selections there, but that offense was incredibly balanced. I'm going with Aaron Jones. Ooh. Aaron Jones averaged 5.6 yards per carry. Had the three touchdowns that Breach mentioned earlier. Went for 118. His fourth straight game of over 100 yards going back to the end of the regular season there. And the Cowboys had no answers. They had no answers for the run game. They had no answers, obviously, for the pass game and their offense no-showed. Aaron Jones is going to be critical to whatever's next. And whatever's next, I do believe, since they're the seventh seed, is the San Francisco 49ers. And that's going to be a fun matchup of two brainiacs down that plays against each other against um, two surprisingly evenly matched offenses. The defenses may be the difference, but we can get to that next week. But for now, Aaron Jones, you are my What's MVP. The, uh... Congratulations, sir. Well, and that game is the Saturday night primetime game on Fox Packers and 49ers. Reach, what are the, uh, let's do this in 90 seconds. What are the uh, schedule ramifications of what might happen on Monday? And what are the early odds for the games that are set? I'll I'll, I'll do the Brinson uh, or wins over Brinson odds if you want. Only one game is set, and that is Packers 49ers. I have not looked at the odds, so I don't know what it is. I haven't either. Um, it's at least. I think, it's like, I, think right it's eight, I think it's eight and a half. Oh, no, it's four and a half. No. That's Wins over Wilson. I'm telling you. It, four and a half? Wins over Wilson. It was four and a half. Would you say? I would say huh? eight and a half. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll half point. I'm going to go nine just to 
Price is yeah, right. It's, it's four. If it's four and a half, Wilson. I'm telling you, just wins no, no, over no, Wilson. No, it is four and a half. If it's, I'm basing my guess off that the Cowboys were seven, that the 49ers are higher up in the, the power rankings. four and a half, the Packers just win. Um, is it, is it just maybe it's 10? What are, what are the other two? Uh, Only one well, of the, the other ones are set, which yeah. I'll, get, I'll explain in a second after you find it's this point. 10. It is 10. It is 10. Wow. Only one of us is 4-0 against the spread. That's all I'm saying. I think our friends the, total, and I the total of this game. Total of this game. What do you think it is? For uh, reference, the uh, uh, Cowboys uh, and Packers and a half. What's that? Forty-eight and a half. Wilson. Forty-eight point uh, six. It's fifty and a half. I won. That is big. I won. Wow. Um. um yeah. So everybody, if you're watching these Monday night games, if the Bills win. And beat the Steelers, then they will host the Chiefs on Sunday, January twenty-first at six thirty p.m. on CBS. And the Texans will play the Ravens in Baltimore in the Saturday afternoon game. If the Steelers somehow win, Wilson Steelers steal the win, they will play the Ravens on Sunday night at six thirty p.m. Eastern on CBS. And in that case, the Texans will play at Kansas City in the Saturday afternoon game. And then the late. Monday night game, which is Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. That one's easy. The winner plays the Lions in Detroit. Man, the do, Lions are looking like that a conference the, championship team. <laughs> Wilson, Wilson, you're in uh, upstate New York. Do the Bills and Steelers play on Monday? You know, it's funny. It's sunny. It's been sunny all day at my house, which is rarely sunny this time of year. Really? And I uh, saw our buddies, Lee J. Doosable and Jeremy St. Louis out in the feet of snow today just three hours west of here so i don't know i gotta in fact i'll tell you i got alert on my phone this afternoon at two at 3 p.m and it said that the state has issued a commercial vehicle ban on i-90 which is the throughway that runs to um buffalo from as exit 46 which is rochester was about an hour away to another to the pennsylvania state line local travel bans may exist do not attempt to travel so that was 3 p.m today so they were still seriously uh, concerned about the weather. So a Tuesday playoff game would be some issues for scheduling. Yeah, they did it during COVID. Now, I think People the governor <laughs> said today that it's pretty locked in that they're going to play Monday, like uh, unless yeah. something absolutely bonkers well, happens. If for some reason it's a it's a holiday, if you're at home, I hope you're watching on television. If you are somewhere streaming, make sure to check out Paramount Plus. Okay. That's that. all I got. All right. Happy uh, birthday breach again. We'll get them all in. Sort of the times we missed in the previous Thanks, years. Wilson. All right. That's it. That's a wrap. It's not my birthday anymore, anyone. Don't listen to him. <laughs> Have been been for two days. 364 <laughs> days. The breach will be 40 again. All right, we'll be back tomorrow night, the Feels Like Groundhog Day, uh, to recap the Monday night Super Wild Card Weekend action. And that's, uh, as we mentioned, Steelers Bills, Eagles Bucks. So check back for that. In the meantime, for uh, Willie Bear Brenton and for Johnny Boy Breach, I'm Ryan Wilson. And uh, thanks to Producer Harry as always. And thanks to you guys who watch and listen and comment. We will see you guys in 22-ish hours. Yeah.